Today, we continue in our series on relationships. If you're jumping in today for the first time and uh, you're wondering what's been happening, we've been talking very candidly about relationships for singles and single again and married couples. And we've been on a journey each week, building from a foundation that, that if you're seeking or are married or longing to be married, that there are principles we have to put into place. We've taken a look at um, singles. We've taken a look at at women, and today we're going to address the heart of a man. Needless to say, it's impossible to take one Sunday and to dig in deeply to the heart of a man and understand him completely, understand us completely, but I'll do my best. I'll, I'll address some very important issues that I'm in conversation with, and myself being a man, and, and, and hanging with men, and pouring into men, and so my hope today is this, as we hear this message that we will understand how men are wired when it comes to relationship and, and marriage and seeking out to be the man that God wants him to be. And so you'll have a chance to hear close up what those things are. And maybe, and hopefully, and prayerfully, you've been praying through your relationships and you've been preparing yourself, taking the time to prepare yourself for that next relationship that you're heading into as a single person, thinking about marriage and knowing that it could be... It is outside of salvation. It's the second most important decision you'll ever make is whom you choose to spend the rest of your life with. But today I'll take a look at the man's, a man's heart. And so it's, we're pretty simple, I would say. Some of us, you might think we're complex, but we're not. Uh, we're pretty simple. And so grab your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. But turn to Proverbs chapter 30, and we're going to read verses 18 and 19 of Proverbs chapter 30. And when you find that, stand with me and we'll read it out loud together. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 18 and 19. Let's read this out loud together. Ready, read. There are three things that are too amazing for me. Four I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship on high seas, and the way of a man with a young woman. You may have a seat. One translation says it this way, the way a man loves a woman. There are three things that are amazing to me, Solomon says, and four I do not understand. And one of those is the way a man loves a woman. It's interesting that of the four things he does not understand, a man known for his wisdom is the way men love women in the way a man loves his wife. It's, a, it's an incredible, complex, beautiful, amazing, all those things at one time. And, and Solomon even addresses that it's, it's, it's something for him that it's hard for him to understand how that comes together, how, how a man and a woman come together in a covenant before God and how they remain together, united with him, built on the foundation of Jesus and thriving together. And so this whole concept of relationship begins with the concept of romance. We talked last week what romance means to a woman. And what today, our view of romance is often different than yours. It doesn't make it better and it doesn't make it worse. It doesn't make yours better and it doesn't make ours. It doesn't make us weird. We work very hard at showing you romantic ways. And, and yet last week, I encouraged you as men and husbands to work hard in that area. So now I'm going to speak from a man's heart, and I'm asking wives and those of you who are looking 
for a relationship in marriage one day as a female. This is from a man's heart. Our view of romance is often different in your, doesn't make it better. Does it make it worse? So my hope is to unlock some differences and help you and us to solve the problem that's often out there where one says, the wife will say to the husband, you're not very romantic. I want you to work in this area. So he works at it because he loves her. He expresses romance in her language. And now we're asking for you to try to understand what we perceive as romance. In a survey of 1,000 men, the question was asked, what is romance to you? This is 1,000 men. 40% of the men said that what I'm about to tell you was romance to him. And here's what they said. But consider this. What most of the world says regarding romance is the traditional candlelight dinner, which it is. I'm not downplaying that. But less than 50% said that, and the majority of those were women, a traditional candlelight dinner, sitting by fire or watching a sunset on the beach was romantic. And it is. And we should have those moments. However, over 40% of men surveyed describe romance. And I even think this number is larger. This is how they describe romance. Playing together. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean for a wife as she looks at her husband? How can you learn to play together with your husband? What, how does that unpack in a marriage relationship? How should that unpack for those of you who are looking for someone down the road? How can you as a woman look at a man and say, how can I show romance and allow romance to build on this foundation of Jesus? It's playing together. Yes, a man's view of romance is getting out and doing things together. Doing an activity together can be very romantic to a man. Some of you are saying, what? Yes, getting out and doing something together. Playing with our wives makes us feel very close and loving and intimate. Playing with our wives makes us feel very close, romantic, and We appreciate the fact that you're in our world, you're doing life with us, and you want to do life with us. It gives a man, hear me out, ladies, it gives a man a chance to focus on his bride and on his girl and to focus on her. So you're out doing something together with them. You're you're doing life with them. And I'll give you some examples of that. But what it does for us, we get to focus on you and primarily you. And And isn't that what you want? Don't you want us to focus on you? And so when we're playing together, doing an activity together, the two of us, it means something very different than probably what it means to you. Let me say it this way. Understand the context. We want you to be our playmate. We want you to love us. We want you to get into our world and to do life with us. We had some fun, and Mike, Pastor Mike did, and, and you have too, of my thoughts on that once you're married, you're no longer dating. Like I told you, I gave dating up when I got married. I don't know, Ann and I no longer date. Dating is a pursuit 
of us trying to get to marriage. And so we were trying to think of a name and we were sitting in our, our home one night and my wife came up with this. She says, Jim, I got the idea. Instead of calling it date night. And so I, I listened, pull away, because my wife has some great ideas. And I've heard some of your ideas, and I didn't like any of them. But this is what my wife said. <laughs> my wife said this. She said, Jim, I got it. Like, for married couples, since we no longer date, instead of calling it date night, let's call it mate night. Like, I like that. Now, that has many meanings. And, and, and I like that as a married couple. And so she said, let's call it mate night. We're, we're mates, and we're building on that foundation. We're not dating anymore, so let's call it mate night. Now, think about this for a second. We want you to spend time with us. We love spending time with you when you're spending time doing what we love to do. It's no different than when we were dating or you were dating. A big part of the thrill of dating was doing fun things together. And it didn't have to cost money. There are many things that you did together when you were dating before you got married that didn't cost money. But for us, it was very romantic that you were with us. We prefer the active model of romance. But here's what has happened again in our world. We have been programmed to believe that romance is only candlelight and dinner and flowers and sunset and sunrises. Now, we like light, but we like torches. But we love doing things together. And so our view of romance, so ladies, hear me out. It means so much to us. My wife knows this. If you do life with us, that you decide to join the adventure that we're on. Not just sending us off and waving goodbye, but joining in on this adventure with us. It's very romantic to us. Many men want you to join them in an an activity or adventure. And often it's things like even hiking or exploring, a motorcycle ride, camping, sitting by a, a blazing campfire, building a snowman. Like, ladies, when is the last time you built a snowman with your husband? Well, we've had kids and I don't want to get out. It's cold and... Like, if you get out and you throw snow at each other and and you get to tackle her in the snow, dudes, isn't that awesome? Like, that's a part that we love. We want you to join us in the adventure. Not just watch the adventure, but come and join us in the adventure. We love when you come alongside of us and canoe down a river, take a walk in the woods, or even shooting hoops together, playing golf, even if you can't play. The fact that maybe you're in the cart or you're walking, playing golf. Like, I love when my wife walks with me and plays golf, and she's along for the ride. There's something about that. She is with me. Part of it is this. Your words are so powerful to us. Like, you have so much power with your words. And if you're in this adventure and you're laughing and giggling or you're building us up, we feel like a million, we feel like we've won the lottery. And so in doing so, you lift us up, you build us up, and it's very, very romantic to us. I still love it when my wife does those activities with me. When we first dated, we would shoot hoops together. And you might think, how is that romantic? Well, we didn't have any money when we were in college. 
And so we would hold hands, walk down to the park. She could see the sunset and I could play hoops and then I could box her out. And I'm telling you, that's very romantic. One-on-one hoops, giggle, laugh, grab a hold of her, pick her up. There's something about doing an activity together that's very, very romantic for us. Now, I know some of you ladies will want to say, that's not romance. Well, let me say it this way. When another, listen to me, ladies, listen to me. I'm speaking for men today. When another man witnesses a wife having fun with her husband, it's incredibly attractive to him. Did you hear me? When another man witnesses a husband and a wife having fun together, it's incredibly attractive to him. Why? Because she wants to be in his world. So why not be that wife? Why not be that woman that other people are looking at, giggling, laughing, chasing, running, holding his hand, sitting beside him? Now, if you think that isn't true, how we love those moments, just think about this, ladies. Think about the last campfire that you might have sat around with your husband. Who normally goes in first? It goes like this. Your dude is sitting there, he's watching this fire, and you're wondering, what are you looking at? It's wood burning. And you just watch, and he gets up, and he, he, he moves the logs around, and he places an in, and you're talking. Listen, you got one-on-one with him, and the fire's burning, and he looks, isn't this awesome? And you're like, yeah. And, and, and so what happens? You go inside, but before you go inside, what are often his last words? I'll be in in a little bit. Dudes, how many of you say that? Like, all of us say that. I'll be in a little bit. Why? Because for us, that's a moment where we've pushed life away. We've shut things down. And the only thing on our minds is either you or that. So why not join him in that moment where the world is shut down, where, where even possibly the kids are asleep, where it's just you and him, undivided attention is what he wants. So when a man witnesses a wife having fun with her husband, it's incredibly attractive to him. Cheer him on, ladies. Like, you have such power with your words. When she says, a wife says to her husband, good job, he could run through a brick wall for you. He would climb Mount Everest for you. Cheer him on. Be his biggest fan. Don't let someone else be his fan. Join him in the adventure. And if it's not you actually doing that adventure, try to be part of that adventure. Cheer him on from the stands. My wife and I have had this conversation and she's, she does a phenomenal job of this. And I often tell her, I tell her, honey, it doesn't matter to me what other people think. But when you tell me something, I feel unstoppable. Like even something as dumb as Friday night. I had the opportunity, along with Pastor Tannen and, and my son Josh, to play in a, a, a charity basketball game with the, with the Harlem Ambassadors at, the Goshen, at Goshen College on Friday night. You know, it's, it's, it's show ball, which is a lot of fun. They took us backstage and they told us that basically don't play defense. And I remember everything I've ever learned, like, was like everything. Like, and I remember standing there, there's a ball right in front of me and I just want to go, but, and they told you that, that if, they, if they're near the basket, get out of the way and let them dunk. And, and so everything I, 
sidebar, everything I ever been taught about basketball was like, I was just, I was just confused. But anyhow, being able to be in that game and play in that game and to look up in the stands and my wife that night had a pink and gray hoodie on and I could spot her out. It's like, ah, and she was there cheering me on. Like that does something for your man. Don't let someone else cheer your man on. Cheer your man on. Seriously, think back to the early days of dating. Just doing something together was fun and you loved it. Now let me give you the second piece of romance for us. Because this is how we're wired. And I'm going to speak for men and how I know men are wired. Romance without sex when you are married doesn't feel romantic to him. Now hear me out on this. That's a very big piece to us. And I know it is for you too. But romance without sex when you are married doesn't feel romantic to him. We consider sex as part of the romance. Like all day long, like this is just how dudes think. And maybe if you're not aware of this, then I don't know how you've lived on planet Earth. Like all day long, dudes are thinking, we're, we're keeping score in our minds. Like we're, we're, we're trying to be romantic to you because we know that if we lift you up, that, 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 that takes something else to move you to that point. And, but for us, you know, all day long, we're keeping score. One, two, three, four, five, six. And we're thinking seven, touchdown. That's what we're thinking. And we're, we're trying to move to that point. Listen, I'm speaking very honestly and candidly for men. And men, am I speaking honestly and candidly for you? Well, thank you for that approval there, by the way. All married men, when there isn't sex, it's often great disappointment on his end. He wants to finish the evening. To him, really, it's the room service for him. It's the dessert. It's the peanut butter pie. It's what he desires to have. He might not always tell you that, but I'll guarantee you this. He's thinking that. Think, could this be the night? Huh? W- will we? That's what men are thinking. Listen, and they're thinking that, and it's a beautiful thing to have as a married couple, to experience that together. What else is a man wanting you to do, wives? He wants you to entice him. And let me explain it. Your view, ladies, of romance is the sense that, that you are being pursued. He needs to think that you have escaped. Like, he does. He wants you to be elusive in some form or fashion. So find out what that is. Communicate with your husband. Like, when's the last time you've actually talked these kind of things through that you, instead of just hoping it gets better? This has been my experience with men in married couples. Most don't talk about it. They just acquiesce and hope it gets better. And then before you know it, it's been a week, two weeks, six weeks, a month two months, three months, and you're just hoping. And before you know it, you've separated emotionally from each other and relationally because you refuse to talk about it. He wants you to entice him. And listen, it doesn't take much for my wife. All she has to do is, if my wife winks at me from a distance, if she gives me that look, and you guys know what your wife's look is. Ladies, listen, you have so much power with this. If you want to entice your husband, just go like this to him. You have so much power. Why not use that in a healthy, godly way? 
He needs to think that you have escaped. Seriously, you got loose again and now he has to track you down and find you again. It's this cat and mouse throughout this marriage relationship. Like what happens sometimes? The cat catches the mouse and that's it. No, it's this continual elusive chasing. And the best way to entice him is by being elusive. So how do you do that? And we're we're talking to married, married couples. This is for married couples. Maybe you do this as he heads out to work. Instead of just your traditional kiss, give him a passionate kiss. And if he wants to know what it was for, tell him it's the appetite appetizer for tonight's menu. Like, why shouldn't we communicate this way as married couples? I tell you what, you tell your man that, you will be on his mind all day long. Now listen to me, all day long. He won't work overtime that day. He will be home. He will be home on time. He will be home with a grin on his face without being grumpy. He won't complain about the day. If a man feels inadequate or stressed at work, he might feel inadequate at romance and not try to do it because of risk of failing. Remember, even if we try and it goes bad, at least be grateful that we tried. Honor that. Say, thank you for trying. Here's another way you can entice. Maybe you get up early and brush your hair and get cleaned up. And as he prays for you, before he leaves the office or goes to work, just tell him, I'm waiting for you when you get home tonight. It's not that difficult. Like, listen, it doesn't take much for us. And if you just speak those words to us, coming from our wives, it is incredibly powerful to us. Make yourself the kind of wife that he constantly wants to pursue. No man wants to catch a nagging woman. No man wants to conquer a criticizing woman. Keep your man number one by not spending all your time doting the children around or checking off your to-do list or being wrapped up with this event, this other person, or this thing on your calendar that you move him down to three and four. Maybe you're saying, how do I do that? When I'm left home with the kids, pull him into the puzzle and give him ownership of that. And say something like this. Hey, honey, I want to spend tonight with you. And give him a wink and say, can you find a babysitter? Like, put the, the onus on him. Make it go back to him and allow him to take responsibility for that. See, ladies, some of the primary reasons we stop doing the things we do that you think aren't or are romantic, we're afraid of not doing a very good job and self-doubt sets in. And remember from last week, if we think there's a chance we will fail and we keep hearing from you all the things that we've done wrong, we won't even try because we don't think we can win. And by the, by the way, we are, we're haunted by our romantic failures from the past with you. And we can often get paralyzed by the thought of having to top the list from the last time. And here's what I know to be true. 
Some wives can be very demanding in this. Like, that's the same thing. You brought flowers and you did that. You did that last time. And we're thinking, man, how can I win? If we make some forward progress, listen to me, wives. If your husband is making forward progress, thank him. Let him know that you appreciate it. Otherwise, it will shut him down. And if he thinks he can't win and you're constantly finding the faults in the way he did it, we say, I can't win. And our default system often says, then I'm not even going to try. Okay, most men will not tell you this with the fear that somehow it will make them look weak or even worse, become vulnerable. But I will today. This is the truth. I'm speaking for men. Sex with his wife plays a huge role in a husband's self-confidence. I want you to hear that. Whether whether he's told you this, this is the truth. You want a self-confident man? You want a confident man? You want to see him rise up and be the man that Christ wants him to be? Sure, his identity is in Jesus Christ. You want, to, you want to help him? Sex is a way that breeds confidence in him. It makes him think that you still want him, that you want to be with him, that he is your number one man. I have seen it over and over again. I, I, I explore and I see a man that's struggling with confidence and I begin and, I, and, I, and I, I set the foundation. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. And if he's married, I ask him this question. And I begin to explore. Tell me about your relationship with your wife. You show me a self-confident man, I will show you a wife who is daily, regularly thinking about the romantic needs of a man and has an regular intimacy with her husband. It develops our self-confidence. Things may be terrible at work, and every other area might even be rotten, yet if his wife wants him and affirms him in bed, he can handle the rest of the world's problems. Please, wives, listen to me. This is both of us. We can serve your needs. It's a mutual submission We can work hard at being romantic to you, but don't wait. Like, don't don't say, well, he's not. And men, don't don't wait because she's not. It's a mutual submission. You want to see your man develop self-confidence? Sex with his wife plays a huge role in a husband's self-confidence. Men crave affirmation from their wives, and you can never tell them enough. It has nothing to do with love languages. Listen, even if your love language is words, it doesn't, ha- doesn't have anything to do with that. Men crave compliments from their wives. Men crave their wives telling them, I believe in you. Men, husbands crave from their wives, I am so proud of you. Ladies, hear me, please. Speak those words regularly. Tell your man those words. It will develop this confidence in him like he's never had before. It's about sending the man you love into the world every day, alive with the belief that he can slay dragons. It doesn't take much. A text, the final words, maybe before he leaves his house or before you leave the house, an email, and just a simple compliment. 
will help build his self-confidence. Now listen, I know marriages are difficult and we have hard seasons and different seasons. But no matter what season you're in, instead of pointing out everything that he does wrong, feed him a compliment. Listen, we fish for them all day long. It's how we're wired. It's how we're made. We want to hear you say, wow, you did that? Wow, you can do that and you're 70 years old? Let me tell you, ladies, 70-year-old ladies that are married to 70-year-old men, he is still craving that from you. He is still fishing for compliments from you. You hold unusual power with your words. I would say it this way. At the most basic level, your man wants to be wanted. And he wants to be wanted by you. Listen to this quote from this book that I'd like to help affirm these things that I'm trying to say today. This is from Shanti Feldman's, which is a very, very good book, and every woman should read this. It's called For Women Only. She said this, although popular opinion portrays males as one giant sex gland with no emotions attached, that is the furthest thing from the truth. But because men don't tend to describe their sexual needs in emotional terms, we women, she said, may not realize that. In a very deep way, your man often feels isolated and burdened by secret feelings of inadequacy. Making love with you assures him that you find him desirable, solves a deep sense of loneliness, and gives him the strength and well-being necessary to face the world with confidence. And of course, sex also makes him feel loved. In fact, he can't feel completely loved without it. Now that makes sense to me. That's how God designed it. Two will become one. And the covenant and the commitment and the consummation of marriage is when two are intimate together as one. Your lack of desire can send him into depression and cause him to feel incredible rejection. Listen to me, please hear me. I know men right now that are struggling with depression and primarily because there is lack of intimacy and love from their wife in a marriage relationship. Ladies, this is so important to us as men. Even the spiraling effects of depression can stem from the lack of romance from a wife to her husband. Look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. I want to show you why this is important. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. Genesis 2 and verse 24. Genesis 2.24 is the picture. Adam, we saw last week, he saw Eve for the first time. He broke out into a song and he, he romanticized her. And then verse 24, it says this, following that moment, after Eve was created from, from the rib of Adam, scripture says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. You see, when you and your husband feels separation. 
you feel divided. And this makes sense because we are one. And when we are not fully connected emotionally, even intimately, we feel divided. And when we feel divided, we feel the full brunt of isolation. And when isolation sets in, depression comes alongside and often squashes that man. Often, often, very often, the struggle with depression with men is because there's not intimacy in a relationship with his wife. The Bible talks a lot about this. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul got very serious about this, inspired by the Holy Spirit on this whole concept of intimacy and sex with your wife and husband. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It was so important that God fleshed it out in Scripture, inspired by the writer Paul and and breathed through by the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Look what he says in verse 2. Well, in verse 1. Now, for the matters you wrote about, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, this is single, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife And likewise, the wife to her husband. Now look at that verse again. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. And likewise, the wife to her husband. Verse 4. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but does what to her husband? What's the word? Yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own what? body, but what's it to his wife? Yields it to his wife. Now look at verse five. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said this, do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual what? What's the word? Consent. And for a what? So that you may devote yourselves to what? Prayer. So he says, do not Do not keep it from each other. And the only time, only by mutual consent, like, do you agree? Is it okay with you? And for the period of prayer and fasting. So when should we keep it from each other? When we're in a deep season of prayer and fasting. And by the way, only by mutual consent. That's not you saying, I'm going to prayer for the next year. That's not you saying, I'm going to, it's looking at your wife, looking at your husband, and then saying, is this what we want? Here's why. Look, 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 look what it says. Then come together again so that Satan will not, what? Tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this, Paul says, as a concession, not as a command. And then he goes on to talk about singleness. So the point is this, please hear me out. This is a regular part of a marriage relationship. Now I'm going to pull away and ask a very hard question. How many of you have just acquiesced and you have refused to even talk about it? Here's what normally happens. 
Maybe you go a week. Maybe you go two weeks. The husband's hoping, and maybe she's hoping for something from him. And maybe there's a wound that needs patched, and you're holding something against, and you haven't given it over to God, and you haven't used that season for fasting and praying. Here's what happens. One week turns into two. Two turns into three, three into four. And you begin to think that this is normal operating procedure that you don't have intimacy in a marriage relationship. Now, I understand. I understand the seasons of life. I understand as a, as a woman goes through her change of life, and I understand as a man ages that the challenges are there. But here's the reality. You must communicate. But we don't. A man is fearful. He's fearful. Here's, ladies, here's what he's thinking. If you go three or four or five weeks and nothing is being said, he starts to feel in, insecure. And he's hoping beyond hope that, that, that something will change. And so what happens is the enemy steps in. He comes in, and he feeds them lies and feeds you lies. And I know seasons, people will go months and even years without being intimate. Listen, that's not God's best intent for a marriage. And you are opening yourselves up to Satan coming in and dividing that relationship. So I encourage you, if you're married, listen, you must have this conversation today. I guarantee you, I guarantee if there's been a season, your man is longing for more. You must have this conversation. You must have it. Why? Because Paul says in scripture that we shouldn't be separated only in mutual consent and for a season of prayer and fasting. Please don't silence the issues. Talk about it. If you've gone long periods of time, it's time to get back on track. Here's what I know about men too. Ladies would often say this, but you would say that we're visually impaired. Like all you want to, all you look is, all you look is the outside. All you are, everything you do is looks, 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 looks. That's all, that's all you're worried about. No, it's not all we're worried about. I love what scripture says in 2 Samuel 16, 7. It says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. I love that passage because I can look at that and say, well, we aren't God. And God acknowledges that we do look at the outside. So hear me out, ladies. It's how we're wired. The effort you put into your appearance is very high on our priority list. Just like I said a couple weeks ago, you should speak to your husband. If you don't like the way he's dressed and and men kind of just get into patterns and I talked about beards and hair and clothing and hats and whatever it is, listen to me, talk that out. Men, the truth for us is that this is very important to us. And the, 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 the time that you spend on your appearance, why wouldn't a woman who's married want to do that for her husband. The effort means more to us than you realize. Ladies, wives, please, please, you must get over this hypersensitive issue and accept it for what it is. We didn't choose to be this way. This is how God wired us. And I firmly believe that his wiring is what is best for men. He's wired us that way. 70% of men polled shared that they would be deeply bothered if a woman lets herself go. In fact, he can feel disrespected if she makes no effort to take care of herself. If you don't think that's true that we're visual, 
what do we do? Like, what's your man do when he, they love car shows. They just kind of look, they walk in car shows and you're like, it's a car. There's another car. There's another car. There's another car. Another car. You've seen a car. No, we're observing the details and we're looking at the headers and the carburetors and we see if it's fuel injection. We're checking to see if it still has the classic Craigers on it. And we, we visually look at, we, we, we share scars when we're buyers. Hey, look at my scar. Look at mine. We're, we're visual. With guys who have tats, they pull them out and say, hey, look what I did to my tat. We share bruises and we look. We're visually impaired. We are. But it's the way God has wired us. When a woman takes care of herself, he feels deeply loved and it makes him feel like a million bucks. I said it, guys, and it's the truth. I'm speaking for us. Like some of you guys, you, I know you want to say amen, but you don't dare do it, okay? Fearful you'll get a jab. Here's what men are thinking. Hear me out, ladies, please. I'm speaking for men today. Every man wants to think that he did well with his wife. That's what he wants. Listen, you might say, does he ever get, stop thinking that? No, he doesn't. Does he ever stop thinking about romance? Does he ever stop thinking about intimacy? No, he doesn't. I have a a brother that I love dearly and he's 82 years old and he's still thinking these same thoughts. It's how we're wired. It's the DNA fabric within us. Every man wants to think that he did well. It's another level of insecurity that you can help your man overcome. When your lady, husbands, when your wife and her appearance, she takes care of it, your husband feels like he's won the lottery. Two married couples, listen to me. Your man is visual. He is yours till death parts you. Why not give your man something that makes him think about you all day long? Like, why not? It's a beautiful picture of two understanding each other. You know what our greatest cover-up is, ladies? We mask insecurity. Whether you realize it or not, majority of men struggle with insecurity. Now, that might surprise somebody. He seems so confident, so in charge, and doesn't look like he's insecure. But all day long, he has these thoughts that he's tempted with that are coming his way. It began in Genesis chapter 3 and verses 6 to 10. When, 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 Adam, when Adam fell and he didn't take responsibility, and because of that lack of, of responsibility and shepherding his wife and protecting her, this insecure temptation and gene has been passed down to your man. And so he struggles with it daily. So he needs to remind himself daily who he is in Christ. And from that day on, men, it has been a battle with sin. And for him, it wraps himself in insecurity. Yes, men struggle with feeling like they do not or will not measure up or worse yet, are not worthy. Your man sometimes will not even participate. Why is it, why, how come my husband's not part of that? How come he doesn't sign up for that? I'll tell you why. And I'll be brutally honest, he's an insecure man. He feels like if he can't do it, then I'm not going to sign up for it. I'm not going to look insecure in front of those other men. I'm not going to look insecure. I dare not be part of that. And so your man struggles with insecurity. And listen, if he's struggling, ladies, you have an opportunity to pour self-confidence into him. 
Every day, 75% of men have an inner vulnerability about their performance. And over the years, we've become more and more concerned with what people think about us and look for their approval. That's why we need it from our wives. And even though many men look like they're in control on the outside, they often feel like imposters and fear that their inabilities will be exposed. And here's the thoughts that run, a man has to deal with regularly. These are the insecure thoughts that want to come his way. And here's how they come. Phrases like this, here you are again with that same sin again. You'll never, ever be able to be the man that God wants you to be. Boy, you should be farther along in your journey with God by now. He is, and he's your friend. He got saved at the same time. How come you're not farther along in your journey with God? Here's some other thoughts that men battle with. You are worthless. No one would ever pick you, especially if they knew the thoughts you are thinking right now. You will never succeed at anything. God doesn't love you because he remembers that thing that you did to your family, to your wife, to your home, to a friend. Here's another thought that men struggle with all the time. What makes you think that you will ever be able to see victory there? You will fall again. And so some of us just give up because there I go, I fell again. And that level of insecurity comes in and inadequacy and that man doesn't want to even succeed. Here's another thought that your man has to deal with from the enemy. You are a scumbag and will be that for the rest of your lives. Another thought that can come to a man. See, the way that person is looking at you, they know that you don't have what it takes. Listen, ladies, that's the thoughts that a man has to deal with every single day of his life. You see, maybe that's why when you look at your man, there's this battle. He's fighting as hard as he can. And the enemy comes back with those same thoughts that he came with Adam You're a loser. Run from God. Shame on you. Condemnation. God set you up to win. You were, you had everything and you blew it. And from that point on, those same thoughts that man deals with, that's what your man has to deal with every single day of his life. So you have a chance. And how do you, how do you help build that up? By respecting your man. Many men wish their wives wouldn't question their knowledge or even argue every decision that he makes. You see, when you argue every decision and when you question their knowledge over and over again, he feels disrespected and insecurity just surfaces in his heart. We have wounds. Yet I would say the most damaging wounds that can ever be done to a man are from his wife. And they're often done with your words. A man's heart is powerfully touched by a few words. Listen to me, ladies. I have to repeat this. When you say these words to your husband, I am so proud of you. Security just envelops him. When's the last time you said that? How often do you say that? Do you regularly say that? Or do you wait till he does that? And then you say, I'm so proud of you that you finally, finally did that. Why not feed him here? 
Feed him here. Feed him here. Feed him here. Feed him here. Why not look at him and say, you know, I'm so grateful. We've been married 20 years and you're still here. You're still battling. I didn't realize you struggle with those thoughts all day long. Maybe it's just that saying, thank you. Thank you for fighting every day in your mind. Thank you for loving me and, and, and caring for me. Listen, ladies, your words are so incredibly powerful. And if we don't get that, you know what happens? You know why? We become insecure. And so we spend the rest of our lives trying to outperform the next guy. And the thought that he can't cut it is a humiliating to him and especially as he ages. And so men do two things. And I, I, I sit with them. Here's what happens. An insecure man does two things. First, he overcompensates and becomes a driven, violent man. Or he shrinks back and gets passive. How many wives have passive husbands? Maybe, just maybe, he just needs a boost from you. Maybe, just maybe, your romance needs amped up. Maybe, just maybe, speaking words, I'm proud of you. You have what it takes instead of pointing out his faults. I see passive men all the time. They retreat from leading their families and loving their wives. An insecure man thinks that in any moment it will come crashing down on him. And every man believes he's on the replacement list. See, that's what we think about. And so we have to speak back truth. We have to stand on the promises of God. And when we do that and receive that from you, he is an unstoppable man. And he just brims with confidence. You want to see a confident husband? Listen, ladies, you have an opportunity to pour it into him. When a man loses his job, it's like a funeral service for him. And he experiences death on the inside. So even along that way, if your husband is unemployed or isn't, doesn't have a job, like, That is a very, very dark and horrible death experience for him. Speak life into him. Insecure men wrap their identity in their performance. These are the things that your insecure insecure man thinks about. I worry you will find someone else. I worry that you're not happy with me. I worry that you'll get tired of me and leave me one day. I worry that I will fail as a dad and the kids will one day run far from God. I worry that I could never be everything you need. I worry and I fear I will fail in the same area again and you will leave me. That's what men struggle and deal with day in and day out. Husbands, wives, we have an incredible opportunity when we understand the hearts and minds of each other to build each other up and to fight for one another. But it begins, build upon the foundation of Jesus, bathed in prayer, and then spoken with communication. How many of you need to go back and just ask this question? Where do we need to get back on track? What is it that I need to do to show you that I love you. How many of you have been fearful of having that conversation 
because you know that you have to change. Listen, if we want marriages that people are looking for and setting up and say, I want something like that, then we must go back to the drawing table and open our hearts and minds up to each other. There's a beautiful song that's out and it's been out and some of you know the fireproof movie and it has these words, just listen to them. And we're gonna close our services today by just letting you sit. And Seth's coming out here and Pastor Jeremy's coming out on the link. You guys can work your way out now. And I want you to think about this song. It says, love is not a place to come and go as we please. It's a house we enter in and then commit to never leave. So lock the door behind you, throw away the key. We'll work it out together. Let it bring us to our knees. Love is a shelter in a raging storm. Love is a peace in the middle of a war. If we try to leave, we may, may God send angels to guard the door. No, love is not a fight, but it's something worth fighting for. That my prayer is this, as you hear this song, and maybe you're single, and you've heard a lot of things about men and women and husbands and wives and love, my prayer is that you become that kind of man or woman that fights for love. And maybe, maybe just now as you hear this song, you recommit to yourselves, Lord, help me to be that kind of husband and wife that's willing to fight for love. Jesus, we love you. And as we hear this song and it just saturates through our minds and in some ways the words just kind of baptize us, I pray for fresh commitments. I pray for honest communication. I pray for new paths to be made in marriages. I pray for Christ to be placed back at the center. I pray, God, for thriving marriages. I pray that we would fight for love and we would fight for each other. In Jesus' name, amen. So just listen to this song and let it challenge, encourage, and affirm you.
for your grace and I pray for your healing power where there's wounds. I'm not foolish enough to recognize that there's some huge wounds in some marriages. Some big hurdles that need overcome and some damage that's been done. But Lord, with you all things are possible. I pray God for reconciliation and I pray for thriving marriages. Not just marriages that have settled, that have got into bad patterns. Five, 10, 15, 20 years of the same thing. I pray for spontaneity and life, godliness. I pray for secure husbands and secure wives. I pray that these marriages, Lord, would be the picture that you designed from the beginning. I pray for some courage and conversations. And I pray in a fresh way that husbands would lead gently, tenderly, fight and fight and fight for their marriages. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you next week.